The traditional beat to come in. <laughs> Welcome to small. Hi. Yeah. Welcome to Small Business Update Thursday. I'm John Fruitkin. I am here with Adam Buck. It's three o'clock somewhere. That somewhere is Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I guess Scottsdale, Arizona, because between the two cities, that's where we are. I am back in the United States. A hurricane chased me away. And if you live in Louisiana, stop watching this podcast. Get out. Get out. Where? Or is it getting, is it almost there? Oh, it hit, it hit my old home back when I was young a week ago um, oh. as a category two, but it was up to category five or four. Um, pretty strong. Mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hang out there. Um, I've had three tropical storms this summer. And so I'm kind of uh, used to tropical storm. So the old 70 mile per hour winds. It's pretty gnarly. So once you hit 100 or so, it's real bad because you're losing power on the tropical storm level, right? Now, this is in Mexico, right? Yeah, I've, I've become Mexican for those of you who haven't picked up on it. So I've lived in Playa del Carmen and Tulum and Puerto Vallarta because nobody notices. I'm here in Phoenix now and nobody cares. So anyway, so yeah, so we've had a you know, kind of the usual tropical storms. This hurricane Delta was about to hit and I just, I'd had enough. And uh, so I got back just in time to, uh, to be home and then feel like the beginning of a cold coming on. Do you know if they closed the airports at any time down there in Mexico? They did. They closed the airports after I changed my ticket. An American was kind enough to say, ha ha. That is one of the privileges of being executive platinum. They'll listen to you complain and then they'll say, ha ha, well, you changed your flight. There's nothing we can do about it. So cost me 27,500 miles. For those of you who uh, want that to be converted to dollars, I'm sorry. I only speak in airline miles and Mexican pesos. Um, I got a little bit richer over the summer in the sense that dollar went a little further, a little further, which is part of our growing stock market. Um, people are really getting out, you know, like, like in a way that made me uncomfortable. Um, I didn't go out the last five or six days, but you know, I've kind of got swollen glands and don't feel like super great. So today, this morning, I went for a COVID test. Have you had a COVID test? I have not. My daughter went and got one, but I have not. Yeah. what did she say about it? Uh, it was uncomfortable. She had the, the nose, um, you know, whatever they stick it up your nose to figure it out. But yeah, she said it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't anything terrible. So I had the ASU designed saliva test. Um, and these are given out for free. And quite frankly, it's a little bit of a way for Arizona to get enough tests from negative people because it's free, right? to go and get this test, not a nose swab, you spit. And that is encouraging people to get testing, which is a great thing. Um, you can go online and search for Arizona free saliva tests and you'll be able to see it. And uh, you go to the locations, which do change daily, make an appointment and uh, you spit. Now what's interesting about it is that you need to spit more than you think 
Okay, so you can't drink water for 30 minutes before. You can't drink or eat anything for 30 minutes before. And then you have to spit to like fill up this thing and you use this straw. And if you can imagine these chairs that are spread out inside this community center spread out over you know a number of meters and everybody's attempting to spit. And I, I went to a Latino community center. And um, so obviously um, I have the advantage of speaking Spanish and I could translate for you um, the old man to his wife six feet away. Now, if you imagine old people talking, they're always yelling, okay? But now they're six feet away and he basically said, love, I cannot spit enough, which is just something that happens in the course of a nice long marriage. So good for them, congratulations. And I won the spitting contest. I left before them. I don't know if that increases or decreases my chances of having COVID, but it increases my chances of telling this story. So not a big deal other than the fact that there's a lot of spitting, which if you're good at spitting is great, but hydrate, hydrate. That's my advice. <laughs> and uh, I guess we'll see whether or not I have COVID. Um, I'm like wearing my mask around my kids and uh, I know I don't have it. So it's kind of like, like this silly exercise, but it was you know, that's an interesting concept where you get a bunch of people in a room spitting repeatedly. Who you have think COVID. So like, now do I have COVID from the experience? Right. You think that, that would not be a good idea to put a bunch of people in a room to spit to see if they've got COVID, but. Uh, there was a little show in, 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 in Mexico. I am enhancing my medical knowledge. And they were talking about the number one way in which people were transmitting COVID. And that was from talking. I just so found that interesting, right? But that makes sense. It's the talking, it's the yelling, it's the singing. That's where you're seeing the instances of it. So we could just stop talking and prevent the spread. If you wouldn't cheer at a football game, it'd be easier, which leads me in to where we're going to start, which is sports. Cardinals, two-game losing streak. Uh, not good. Just not looking good and like kind of in that painful way where you're like, this team is just going to fight to get it to eight and eight. So, so far, so good. They're two and two. Um, but they do get the Jets next weekend. The Jets are awful. They're 0 and 4, but like a bad 0 and 4. And so that's a must, must, must win situation. Um, in other news, DeAndre Hopkins wins. His former coach was fired because he got rid of his best offensive player to us. Thank and he you. decided to get in a big fight with his best defensive player, J.J. Watt, who got in a huge screaming match. Turns out the winner is the great NFL football player, not the coach who can't coach great NFL football player. Like that, it's just a no-no in any sport. That's why I want to remind you, Adam, you are the best. <laughs> oh, thank you. I shall never yell at you. Okay. Well, in kind of the overview of what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about politics. I can't but help to talk a little bit about President Trump's COVID diagnosis. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about some election law. We're going to talk about the 25th Amendment. Um, and we're also going to talk a little bit about an SEC notice, that's Securities and Exchange Commission notice, which has to do with companies that are raising money using finders. I promise I've got a medical corner, all that. 
<laughs> should take us well past a half an hour. So let's go. Um, Adam Bach, I'm turning it over to you. All right. Well, we're going to talk about some election law today. Some interesting stuff going into our election season. So mail-in ballots, this is interesting. Experts predict roughly 80 million mail ballots will be cast in November, which is more than double that were returned in 2016. So a significant uptick in the use of mail-in ballots, largely due to COVID. Now, states are allowed to determine what type of mail-in ballots they'll allow. And so states have been Really, they're broken down into three different categories. Uh, group one of states, they just mail ballots to everybody. All registered voters, whether you want it or not, you're getting it. They're going to mail it to you, and then um, you, know, you can return it. The second group of states, you can get a mail-in or an absentee ballot uh, upon request. But if you don't request it, you're not going to get it. But anybody can request it. And then the third category of states, you actually have to have an excuse. You have to have a reason. You have to justify uh, why you need to vote uh, by mail. So uh, we're going to talk about mail-in versus absentee ballots. Um, so an absentee ballot, it's a registered voter that requests one through the government. And then you can be accepted or rejected. They don't have to give it to you. Um, but then you return it, sign it. And then when the officials receive it, then they've got to compare, make sure it's been signed properly and filled out properly. And they can reject it if they don't, uh, if it doesn't comply with their requirements. And the mail-in ballots, like we talked about, they're automatically sent out. No request is necessary. So there are 21% of voters, which constitute 44 million voters in nine states plus the District of Columbia, they're in this category where they just automatically mail out to people. Um, so California is one of those. So California, um, you don't have to request it. You automatically receive one if you're registered and it's sent to your address that they have on record for you before election day then you can return it by mail in person or Dropbox, and it has to be postmarked on or before the election day and received uh, no later than 17 days after the election day. So now California does also have an absentee ballot where if you are not home and they send it to your house and you're traveling or whatever, you can request one, uh, an absentee ballot somewhere other than your house. So then the largest portion of states, 34 states, they allow uh, absentee voting upon request. You don't need an excuse, but you have to request it. And Arizona fits in that category. Um, so you have to request it. You also may get on a permanent mail-in ballot list, so you only have to do it once. Uh, but these are the deadlines. So for November 3rd, October 5th was the voter registration deadline. And then um, to get on the permanent list or request by uh, mail, that's October 23rd. Now, the final group of states uh, for absentee ballots, um, you have to have an excuse. And this includes Texas. But 46 million voters are subject to this in seven states. 
So in Texas, to be eligible to vote by mail, you have to be six, you can be 65 years or older, uh, sick or disabled, you're going to be out of the country on the election day, um, or you're in jail, but you're otherwise able to vote. Um, so anyway, for, for Texas, you have to request it in advance, and then the ballots must be postmarked by the election day and received the day after the election day. So their timelines are a little tighter. So the impact of COVID-19 on the election, you know, there's been some discussion that uh, they could continue and postpone the November 3rd election date. And Congress does have the constitutional authority to change the date of the general election. That's Article 1, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. Um, so presidential elections have been set by law as the first Tuesday after the first Monday since November of 1845. And Congress has never delayed a federal election, even during the Civil War and World War II. So the odds of it happening during COVID are very slim to none. But it is possible if Congress wanted to do it for whatever reason. And there was some discussion when Trump tested positive, which I know, John, you're going to talk about, um, of postponing that. But the other impact of COVID is that more and more people uh, you know, don't want to be voting in person. So there's the idea states are expanding the possibility of uh, using mail-in ballots. And so the benefits, obviously, it makes it more accessible for everyone. I mean, it's a lot easier to just fill out something that you get in the mail and drop it off. Um, there's no complicated procedures for requesting one. Uh, so there are a lot of advantage to doing it. Then there are concerns that people have uh, that bail, the ballots could be mailed out to people that have moved or died. Uh, they could be mishandled by the post office due to the overload. And uh, votes aren't counted if they're not delivered on time or if they're not postmarked. Sometimes the, the post office forgets to put a postmark on it and then that vote wouldn't count. So there are some concerns that way. Uh, this was interesting, Pew Research poll of Biden supporters, 58% would prefer to vote by mail in November compared to 19% who are Trump supporters. So the concern with uh, high use of mail-in ballots is it could take longer to tabulate the results if there's a significant increase. And this leads us back to the 2000 election so, you know, what happens, you know, back in 2000, uh, you know, we had the, uh, the Bush uh, had won Florida by such a close margin that the state law required a recount. So everybody had to manually recount and it was taking forever. And now you've got the inauguration day coming. And in that case, it went up to the Supreme Court and the uh, Bush Gore v. Gore decision ended the recount and everybody moved on with life and we got to inauguration day just fine. Um, the Supreme <laughs> sort of sort of just fine. <laughs> I was there. I was in D.C. It was it was the first time I saw something that resembled late 60s, you know, kind of rioting, early 70s rioting. Of course, now is commonplace, but that was we had a nice little gap until that inauguration. Yeah, and, and the recount was a disaster. 
you know, so we're, we're hoping not to enter into that category again, but um, anyway, they just said it violated the uh, statewide recount, violated the equal protection clause of the 14th amendment and uh, Bush was put in office. All right, so what happens? If, what, if, what if we get to, what if there's a delay? Because all these mail-in ballots, states are counting or recounting and it's still in doubt by January 20th, 2021. And that's the day the constitution says the winner of the presidential election is supposed to be sworn into office. And what if we don't have a clear winner? Uh, there could be litigation, there could be counting that's still going on. Uh, the 20th amendment of the constitution provides that Congress may by law provide who shall then act as president. Then under 3 USC section 19, Congress has provided that the Speaker of the House shall upon his or her resignation as Speaker and Representative act as President until a President or Vice President has been determined. So um, in that case, could we have a President Pelosi under those circumstances? That would be interesting if there is, uh, if we can't figure out who the winner was, it could be Nancy Pelosi acting as president until we sort out all of the drama surrounding the voting. So anyway, that's what we're looking forward to. It could be, I have a feeling it's gonna be crazy, whatever happens. I, 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 am, I am never shy about predicting things. Um, Biden has a lead now that looks like it's about 12 points. Um, that is incredible. I mean, that is a huge, huge margin for any candidate. It looks like um, you will you will know the winner very quickly, despite the fact that the ballots won't have all been counted and all that. Um, it is a huge lead. If that, if I am correct, then we get to avoid a lot of the hand wringing. I would hope and I would imagine that most elected officials, despite the fact that President Trump's going to cry foul, uh, will line up behind the voters and will kind of get to move on. Um, but that's my prediction. But OK, it could be bad, is your point? It, it could be. You never know. But we'll see. It may be all about nothing and, and it's just fine. And we move along and it's very seamless. So when President Trump was running for office, um, he really fulfilled a lot of people's kind of hopes for someone who spoke differently, who would be willing to speak to power and to shake things up in Washington. Um, I, on the other hand, was a little concerned because I had children that that sort of behavior would be mimicked, that you're allowed to talk to people that way, that you're allowed to say things that he has been recorded saying that was described as locker room talk, which isn't, by the way. I just have never had anybody say stuff like that to me. Have you? I mean, you're a conservative guy. So, like, I, I imagine the chances that somebody says, like, sexually explicit stories like that to you is pretty slim. But, but has anybody ever spoken to you that way? Well, yeah, I mean, growing up playing sports, there is a little bit, you know, in high school of, you know, a little bit of that, but, you know, since high school, no. Yeah, just be really weird. And I, of course, you know, am, am unmarried and, and I know people and 
yeah, we don't talk that way. Just not, that's not what happens. So in any case, um, I was concerned. I had to talk to my children, like just because the president says this, you can't. Okay. So now I'm going to speak to my business leader friends and tell you just because the president does this, you shouldn't. So President Trump uh, was likely infected as part of the super spreader event that occurred during the announcement of the new Supreme Court nominee, who apparently had had it in July, it continues to get tested, but it does look like there's some immunity against it. So we could not blame her <laughs> for giving it, but it's unlikely she will get it. So, so that's the good news. The bad news is that an awful lot of leaders um, got it, including the president of the United States. Um, he uh, has, in the last several days, done a few things that we should be discouraging. One is don't take your secret service guys with you for a little joyride loop. In other words, stay away from other employees. People should not be working and they shouldn't be um, near anybody if they in fact have it. The highest chance of, of catching uh, COVID comes the few days before symptoms appear. That's kind of problematic, right? I mean, that's, that's scary. But the several days after symptoms appear, it might not be as contagious. And as time goes on, it's less and less contagious, but you're still contagious. Don't go back to work in the Oval Office, okay? CDC guidelines are, or are for 10 days with at least uh, several days without um, symptoms. And so you really, really need to be uh, careful with your policies and uh, do your best to match up with what the CDC recommends, not what the president of the United States does. But I will tell you about one thing he did do, which is of interest. And we turn a little bit to doctor's corner. By the way, I don't know if you saw this, the New England Journal of Medicine endorsed Joe Biden. Well, there you go. Think, think about that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That has never happened in history. In history I didn't know it was a political journal. publication. No. Nah. So that is, that is, that tells you something. But um, uh, the president did receive a treatment uh, from a company called Regeneron. And I want to talk a little bit about that, uh, mostly so everybody is aware what it is and, and where things stand. It is basically a combination of two different antibodies. So these are proteins, okay, that were developed to bind to the coronavirus. So basically this antibody, which is synthetic, okay, grabs on to the spikes that are on this virus. And it basically knocks it out of um, its form. So it's not sharp anymore. Does that make sense that we have this viral um, particle that has spikes and this protein basically is bending it. Okay. And so vaccines, you know, generally have you make these antibodies that help do this sort of thing. But in this particular case, what we are doing is injecting these um, best, two best antibodies that were developed um, from, from human patients and, and infected mice. And they basically found a way to make these antibodies. Okay. And so they, they have tested this out. 
um, on all of 275 people and we don't have results. At least 276 if you count the president of the United States and we don't have real results yet. With that being said, it is likely that uh, this Regeneron treatment will receive emergency use authorization. They asked for that yesterday, which was Wednesday. Um, there has been any peer review, public review of any of this data yet. And so we'll see. But Regeneron is a hopeful treatment that made Donald Trump feel great. Um, it is administered as an IV. Um, and they have about 50,000 doses that they're able to get out right away after emergency use authorization. But we really don't know what the best time is to use those and you know, exactly, exactly the efficacy. But that is the one piece of news that came out of it. Uh, the president received it under something called compassionate use. I guess that just means that we have a lot of compassion for presidents of the United States, which is probably a good thing. Um, but, uh, but it is not available widely. I expect in the next week it will begin to be available. And so that's another thing they'll add to their toolbox. Um, so for, far, the only thing that's worked with any kind of good good result is steroidal treatment, stop inflammation. Um, Remdesivir is not having great, great results. Um, and uh, there's a number, frankly, there's just a lot more studies about things that don't work than do, which is a little bit frustrating. But vaccines are coming and we're going to do the best we can. How was, how was that little medical corner? It was a little depressing. You know, I, I feel like we need to like pump it where up. I lecture, where I lecture everybody, don't act like the president of the United States. Um, in any case, uh, we did have the vice presidential debates. Um, the big winner there, of course, was the fly that landed on Mike Pence for two minutes. Um, but I would say the bigger winner was the American people who got to see two people who are like adults. I thought Rick Santorum, uh, who is on CNN, a Republican, I thought he kind of said it best, which was some version of, you know, Mike Pence delivered conservative policies and kind of the things that Republicans stand for very well, which is true. If you are a conservative, that was kind of refreshing because you got to hear, you know, the things that, that brought conservatives um, to power with Ronald Reagan. And we've been like a little bit off on that in the last few years. And uh, so, yes, so that, that, that's, that's the end of the vice presidential debates. We go back to presidential debates. The uh, announcement was made early today that the presidential debate, the next one will be virtual. Donald Trump says he won't be there. Um, little fun fact, that happened in 1980 uh, and turned out Jimmy Carter did show up for the next debate, still lost the election, but skipping debates never is a good luck for an incumbent. So we'll see. He might show up. Who knows? It's Donald Trump, right? Um, I don't have a ton of time to talk through all of the 25th Amendment uh, to the Constitution. We'll talk about that, about succession and other things and how that came about next week. But I do want to mention something about finders fees. So the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission, has a series of rules that basically means you cannot pay outside people to help you raise money. They need to have a license. They need to be what we call a broker dealer. And if they're not a broker dealer, they cannot receive payment. The most you could receive payment for is a list. 
Okay. So you could buy a list. So you could pay, you know, oh, it's a list of 300 people. Okay. I'll pay you $3,000 and I'll call them myself. Well, you couldn't have outside people make calls and make introductions and receive commissions. Uh, yesterday, the SEC published a, a notice and it's a little different than rulemaking, okay? But there's th still 30 days to respond and it creates two tiers of finders. These finders do not have all the responsibilities that a broker dealer has as far as doing their own due diligence and vetting it out. Um, and they're not allowed to make representations like a broker dealer would. Um, they are though, at least at the second tier level permitted to uh, transfer around uh, documents and to make contact and to make a conference call happen and do all the things that finders do. It's a really big deal for smaller companies. You know, begin a broker dealer interested in your deals real hard. Um, finders exist and have existed illegally for a long time. Um, there's a lot of complaints that they're kind of hucksters or fraudsters and they don't have to have all the license and everything else that a broker dealer has to have. But for a lot of our clients who are raising maybe a million or 2 million instead of 200 million, uh, having these finders help them, whether that's crowdfunding or, or just traditionally talking to people about investing in their company. It's now a big opportunity. We'll see in 30 days where that goes, but that is a big change. So there's a little bit of law for you to go with your medical advice and your depressing political commentary. Anything else from you, Adam? No. All right. Good stuff. We're getting ready to vote then, huh? Yeah. Everybody go vote. Um, a little vote. note. Uh, there is some tension. The uh, Arizona, uh, an Arizona federal judge uh, basically lengthened the amount of time that you could register an additional two weeks till October 23rd. So if you're not registered, you still can. Um, at the same time, the United States Supreme Court yesterday basically weighed in on a law in South Carolina that required a witness to witness the absentee ballot being, being completed. Um, and they basically reinstated that requirement. Democrats were arguing against it because obviously under current circumstances, not everybody has the ability to have a witness. Um, but, uh, you know, a federal court said, no, you don't need to have that. The U.S. Supreme Court said, hey, we're serious about this. We aren't going to make changes all the time. Courts mid-election. OK, the, this is the purview of the legislature. Just because you think there's a better way to do it doesn't mean that you should. And so that may or may not affect that. In other words, if you are an Arizona resident who hasn't registered, you have time up to October 23rd, unless the Supreme Court tomorrow says, no, stop it, judges, um, which is basically what they said yesterday. Make sense? But go vote. Go register. Go, register. Go, go, vote. go vote. Register and vote. Don't vote more than once, no matter what anybody tells you. You could register, you know, at a new address if you get two ballots. Don't vote both of them. We'll be back here with some common sense. Remember to let us know. Uh, our emails are in the in the description. If you'd like to be added to our email list, I'm sorry I wasn't able to get out an email this week, but we usually get them out Monday. And any question, comments, we're always happy to answer. Have a great week.